during the Easter season, we've kind of been working through um, digging deeper into uh, characters of the Easter story in the Bible that maybe uh, don't get as much attention uh, during your typical Easter season. Um, and though Easter's over, uh, today we're going to continue that. We're actually going to work that into next week as well. So even though Easter's over for us here at the greenhouse, we're kind of on this same topic through next week uh, before we shift gears. Um, we want to look specifically at some individuals today that played a role in the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and these people that we're looking at, we don't believe just happened to be a part of the story by circumstance, but we believe they were placed in the roles that they were given by God and that God has something very important by the way that they react, by the way that they talk, by the way that they minister to Jesus and carry out his word that teach us something very important. Now, so far, up to this point, all of the figures that we've looked at have been male. Um, they've been Jewish leaders, the thief on the cross, um, and I could go on through the list. And that's pretty, pretty typical for sermons during Easter time that a lot of the main characters, because really it's the men that are writing the history, right? And it's the men in this culture um, that get named all the time. And women sometimes, in this case, are just going to be called the women. Okay? Now, I don't know. The whole fact that I was the one that, and Jeannie's back there. I know she's laughing because she's like, Kevin, of all people, is talking about the women. Um, um, but yes, so I'm going to do my best. So these women that are referred to in Scripture as the women um, are a group of unspecified number. Uh, they are women um, that actually follow Jesus as his, as his disciples, and they do some things as his disciples consistently. They welcome him into their homes. They finance his ministry. They follow his teachings and they stick by him no matter what. And this really didn't surprise Jesus because Jesus actually predicted in John chapter 16 that during his death on the cross, that his, 12 male, that his 11 male disciples that were left would actually abandon him. And then as we continue to read in scripture, we know that the women remain by his side. The guys are gone. They're scared. They're afraid of being arrested. It is the women who remain by Jesus' side during his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In fact, in Luke 23, when Jesus is carrying the cross on his way to be crucified, the only people that he speaks to are the women that are actually following him with the cross as he's carrying the cross, and they're crying, and he, and he speaks to them. So their stories are important because in our case today, there's going to be a lot to learn about what it really looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And the women in the Easter story actually serve as a great example to us as to what we're supposed to be to look like as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, we might say, well, what does it even really mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And we don't have to make up the answer on our own because Jesus actually tells us in his own words in Mark chapter 8 what it really means to be a follower. As we read, it says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, Jesus, said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So how did the women closest to Jesus during his life, during his death, during his resurrection, reflect the devotion and the commitment that Jesus describes here in Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at that today. And we're going to look specifically about three women. And even though they are part of the Easter story with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, their stories with Jesus actually start way before that. So really to do it justice, we're going to dig back into these three these three women into their lives before Jesus' death. And it just so happens that all three of these women are named Mary. What are we going to see in these Marys? We're going to see, first of all, that they are steadfast, devoted followers of Christ. We are also going to see that they are faithful, loving servants. And we're also going to see that they're courageous witnesses, witnesses and messengers. Our first Mary, let's go ahead and pray first. I want to pray for us. Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this morning, and I, I thank you for the relationships here that you've given us for mothers, uh, for the role that they play, and I, and I thank you of how we just see examples in your story, in your holy word of how important these relationships are and how they really show us the relationships that we should have with you. And I pray today we could connect that. I pray that we could take roles of mothers and fathers and, and of, of aunts and uncles and, and working with children and, and all kinds of things, and we could relate this to you as a loving father and the examples that you gave us and how much you love us by sending your son Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, she obviously is the Mary probably that gets the most attention. Um, it's very appropriate that we start with her today because she's the mother of Jesus, and obviously it's Mother's Day. I think in order to capture the true essence of Mary's devotion to God, um, um, her true devotion to her son, Jesus, even though Jesus is God's son, Mary is his earthly mother, that we need to go back to when we're first introduced with Mary in Scripture. Reading from Luke chapter 1, we see... And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. As the story goes on, we see, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. As we read on, and Mary said, Behold, I am, a ser I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. From the very beginning, Mary is a courageous servant. From the very beginning. She believes and accepts right away what the angel tells her. Even though in this culture, with her being an unmarried pregnant woman, she is going to endure humiliation and even the threat of danger with this pregnancy. It doesn't just stop there. As we read on in the Gospels, we read that 
Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph and that they took Jesus to the temple for the purification according to the law of Moses. And there a man named Simeon, a devout follower of God, actually comes into the temple. He's led by the Holy Spirit and he speaks prophecy about Jesus. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 2. Here's, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that, thought, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. From the very beginning, Mary is told that what with her son is going to have to endure will pierce her heart. Will pierce her heart. However, she remains steadfast and she carries out God's plan as the mother of Jesus no matter what the cost, no matter the humiliation, no matter the danger, no matter of carrying the burden her entire life of understanding that this child is set apart and the ending as a mother probably isn't going to be the ending that we would choose as parents for our children. She remains steadfast and devoted and carries out the plan. At the time of Jesus' crucifixion, the story tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was among the group of disciples who followed him. We read this in John chapter 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and her sister, as well as Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. So from that hour, this disciple took her into his home. Even in the last few moments of his life, Jesus provides us an example of what it means to truly love others, specifically in this case, our mothers. Now, I, I just wonder, like, what was Mary thinking as she watched her son hang and die on a cross in an excruciating manner, right? As a mom, did, I'm going to get rid of it, okay, Joe? We tried. No? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, as a mother, right? As a mother at the foot of the cross, watching Jesus suffer, what was going through her mind? You know, did she remember back to Simeon's prediction that day in the temple? Did she remember the words that her soul would be pierced? And in this case, it is being pierced with grief. The words that Simeon spoke 33 years before Jesus' crucifixion shows us that God knew that Jesus would be crucified and that he had a plan to use the suffering of Jesus. And Mary probably didn't totally understand this plan, but she accepted this plan and she remained faithful because of her unconditional love for Jesus. Mary's faithfulness doesn't just stop at the cross. It continues. 
in her commitment to furthering the gospel even after Jesus had left the earth. In Acts chapter 1, it's recorded that Jesus ascends to heaven and his followers return to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 1, we read, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. She was there. Even after Jesus was gone, she remained faithful to the spreading of the gospel as a devoted follower. Mary, as the mother of Jesus, is around from his first breath, from his conception to his first breath to his last, and she never wavers. It is God's choice that she has chosen to be the mother of a redeemer. It's by his mercy that God filled her with grace in his presence, giving her the strength and the courage to endure all that went along with this calling. And this calling was not an easy calling. It required total commitment and sacrifice. And in Mark chapter 8, this is exactly what Jesus means whenever he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Mary does this. Mary is a truly devoted follower of Christ. Another woman named Mary that we want to focus in today on the Easter story is a Mary who demonstrated commitment and courage in a servant's heart and was truly a fully devoted follower. And this is Mary of Bethany. Mary is well known for frustrating her sister Martha when Jesus came to visit their house. We read about this account in Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus' response gives us the first insight into Mary of Bethany and into what he meant when he said in Mark 8, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus commends Mary for choosing the better meaning that Mary's desire to be near to Jesus, to hang on to his every word, was far more important than anything else going on in the house. Mary chooses to put Jesus first. Learning from him, being at his feet, not doing chores and duties, is her first priority. As we read on about Mary in the Gospels, we read that her family continued to build a close relationship with Jesus. And in John chapter 11, we even read that Jesus loved them, this family, very much. This love is shown as evidence as well whenever Jesus came and actually rose Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, who had passed away, actually rose, um, raised him from the dead. Now, soon after this miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and just before the days of the crucifixion, Jesus returns to Bethany. He returns to Mary and Martha's house. 
And he has a meal with them and his disciples and other followers there. And Mary again is there. And we read about this instance. Martha again is serving while her brother Lazarus is actually reclining at the table with Jesus and the disciples. And Mary chooses to do something that is like counter to anything cultural at the time. She, um, in order to bring glory and honor to Jesus. John chapter 12, we see this story. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared of the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Everything about this incident with Mary and Jesus is offensive. The meal is interrupted. The gift, it's excessive. And it's a woman daring to touch a man with her hair. In spite of the criticism of the disciples about wasting this costly perfume, we think this bottle of perfume was probably worth about a year's wage that she pours out. Mary chooses to give her very best. She chooses to deny herself and to give Jesus the glory that he deserves. And in a culture where a woman's touch was often forbidden, Mary dares to hold the feet of Jesus in her hands, to pour perfume out on his feet, and to spread it with the ends of her hair. And rather than measuring out small amounts of perfume and wiping it, she breaks open the jar and pours it all out. This is evidence that she's all in. She's fully committed, sparing no expense. The oil that she, uh, she could have been saving this oil for her own burial, maybe the burial of a loved one, but it's all been poured out generously without the thought of the future. Her display of service, honor, love, and humility modeled what Jesus taught And he defended Mary's actions and affirmed them as evidence of her complete devotion to him. What an example. Our last Mary of the Easter story is Mary Magdalene. She's another Mary whose relationship and commitment to Jesus provides us with an example of what Jesus meant when he said that his followers must come after him and lose their lives for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. And in order to understand the magnitude of Mary Magdalene's relentless and courageous faith and devotion, I think it's important for us to know, recall, who was Mary Magdalene before Jesus? She was Mary of Magdala, 
She became a follower and a close friend of Jesus after he healed her from being possessed by seven demons. We read about this in Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were that were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others provided for them out of their means. Now, it's easy to kind of read over the whole seven demon things and not make a big deal about that, but let's just think about that for a minute. How tormented must Mary Magdalene have actually been? What was her life like before Jesus? Can you imagine how isolated she was in this society? I mean, let's face it, who wants to spend time with a demon-possessed person, let alone like be friends with them and have a close relationship with them? So after Jesus frees her from these demons that have been keeping her in bondage, Mary pours out her soul, her resources, and her heart for Jesus' ministry here on earth. We see this in Mark chapter 15. There were also women looking on from a distance among whom Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the younger of Joses, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. There is no doubt or question that Jesus has radically changed and completely transformed Mary Magdalene's life and that she is fully devoted to following and serving him. Mary Magdalene is mentioned 12 times in the Gospels, which is actually more than most of the disciples. She plays a critical role in the early ministry of Jesus, but it is really her extraordinary faithfulness in Christ is actually shown, um, spotlighted in the story of the death and resurrection of Christ. This is a very hostile time. Jesus has been crucified, and many were in hiding for fear of being arrested and being associated with Jesus. And we know during this time where it's probably scary, you're worried, we know that Mary Magdalene is present. We know she is there. She is at the cross. John chapter 19 tells us, near the cross stood his mother and her sister, as well as Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. We know that Mary Magdalene is also present when the body of Jesus is taken to the tomb to be buried. Mark chapter 15, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joses saw where he was laid. Matthew chapter 27, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Mary's desire to serve Jesus continued after his burial as she was committed to anoint his body, as was the custom at the time. We read of this in Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. I don't need to remind you where all the disciples are at the time, right? They're hiding. 
And these women are openly still honoring and serving Jesus. Now what Mary and the group of women find when they actually get to the tomb of Jesus is not what they were expecting. We read this in Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, a lot of Marys, right? And the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. That's a whole nother sermon that I probably won't preach, okay? On men listening to women. Yes. You know, if you as we look through this, like looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the accounts of the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, it, to be honest with you, it's a little bit confusing. you got somebody appearing to somebody and telling somebody and somebody running to the tomb and running back. And, and really there's some controversy over the order in which everything kind of happens. There's all these different kind of theories out there. But we don't really care. Because what we want to focus in on today is the fact that what can we learn from Mary Magdalene's example of her faithfulness and her courage and her genuine love for Christ with the events of the resurrection? John chapter 20. But Mary Magdalene stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept and stooped in, stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, I know, but it's okay. We got three Marys. We got three microphones. We got all kinds of 3Ms around here. So she sees Jesus standing there, but she doesn't know it's him. As we read on in verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Mary is courageous, a courageous messenger, and a witness. She obeys Jesus right away, right? She doesn't question what he's asking him to do. Think about this message. She, a woman, is headed back to a group of men who are in hiding, and she is going to tell them that Jesus has risen. Right? The whole thing's kind of crazy. Because you would think Jesus would have revealed himself first to who? A man. In this culture, right? But no. He picks a woman. And then he asks her to have the courage to go back to the men and tell the men that she had seen the risen Lord. That's exactly what Jesus means whenever he describes the actions of a true follower in Mark chapter 8. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You know, in this Mark chapter 8 verse, these verses we've looked at today, Jesus does not mince any words when he describes what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower. And it's obvious that he knows that it's not going to be easy, especially whenever we find ourselves in difficult situations. And we need to, these three ladies to us serve as an example of followers of Christ that found themselves in difficult situations. However, what they do? They took up their cross. They carried burdens. That burden that the mother of Jesus must have felt knowing the whole time that she was going to suffer for watching her son suffer. As we consider our own journey as followers of Christ, I have a few questions that I want us to ask ourselves in reference to these three ladies. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, do I trust God's plan for my life, even when it includes uncertainty, humiliation, suffering, and sacrifice? Am I faithful to Him? Like Mary of Bethany, do I put Jesus first and give Him my best? Is He my top priority? Do I see him as worthy of my time and of my resources? Do I concern myself more with what Jesus thinks of me than what people think of me? Like Mary Magdalene, am I all in? Do I humbly remember what Jesus did for me and who I was and who I still would be without him? Do I love him deeply and do I courageously share the message of his resurrection as Mary did? We can look to these women as examples today, but they're not perfect. They're just people just like us. None of us are perfect. 
But God empowered each one of them to lose their lives for the sake of Christ. For the sake of the gospel to lose their lives. And in doing that, so what's the trade-off? You lose your life as a follower of Christ so that you can really gain life. So you can be saved. Now the whole word saved is kind of strange and when you grow up in church and you always hear about, you know, people say, well, you know, well, I got saved back in, you know, this time. Or, and, and people, are, you know, I think some people we think, oh, saved from what? Like, what, what exactly were you saved from? Saved from death. We are all human beings separated from God. Yet a loving father sent himself in the form of a man named Jesus Christ, Son of God, human flesh, but fully God, to save us, to take our place for the penalty of sin. These three Marys are great examples of understanding that losing our life here on earth for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, really leads to life more abundantly here on earth, and ultimately to eternal life with God, to be one in communion with God again, as it was in the very beginning. If you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, we have a lot of challenges here. I mean, I went through these questions, I just kept beating myself up, because I mean, am I all in? I mean, do I really care about the approval and what God thinks of me over what man thinks of me? Am I willing to be faithful even in the times where I don't understand what's going on or downright sometimes I just don't like what's going on? Can I have that same faith as Mary, the, the mother of Jesus? Especially here on Mother's Day, right? When we think about um, how much our mothers love, I'm not saying dads don't, but that relationship with a mother, right? And in the, in the caring for, in the in the taking care of and, and loving of, of her children, to watch your son, to know the whole time that he's living that the outcome is not going to be a good one for you as a, as a flesh mother, right? But to trust God's plan. Do I have that kind of devotion to God as a true follower of him? And to understand that the only way that these three women showed this devotion and this commitment was by the strength and the faith that God gave them by being willing to put themselves second and put him first. If you've not put Jesus first today in your life, you know, um, been saved as we call it, um, you know, today is the day, I would say. What a better day than on Mother's Day to reach out and to acknowledge that gift that God has given us that we see that these three women were all in and believed wholeheartedly um, in their heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these three ladies. I thank you that they were not perfect people. They were just like us, flesh and blood, that they made mistakes, but that we see examples in your word about how fully committed, no matter what was going on in their life, how fully committed they were to you. And I pray that we would be challenged by that. I pray that we would rely on you for the strength in our lives to show the same commitment. Whether it be in a time where we are not sure what's going on and don't know why, 
whether we're in a time where we're distracted and we want to care so much more about the world than we do you, or maybe in a time where we have failed to remember what we are like, what we were destined to be and to be like without you. I pray that we, if we don't, if someone here today does not know you and does not have that relationship with you, that they would, um, that you would speak to them and that you would just reveal yourself to them and that they would be obedient in that way. In Christ's name, amen.